everyone. Welcome to Going Off Track. Hey. Hey. Hi, Jonah. I'm Hi, Brad. Benny's here for the intro. Benny's here for the intro. And we it. are also joined by Brendan and Sullivan. Hello, everybody. Hello. Sullivan, can you say hi? He's got nope. nothing. He's got a pacifier. Let me Sullivan Let me owns the bar that we're in. Yeah. Right <laughs> there is a nine-month-old baby strapped to our friend here. And trying to get to the mic pretty bad. <laughs> and we are recording here at uh, A Bar <laughs> on Manhattan Avenue in Greenpoint. <laughs> That's A, the letter. The letter A. And B-A-R, obviously. B-A-R. We and tried to make it ungoogleable, and I think we've succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brendan, could you talk a little bit about this beautiful location? Sure. So this space was another bar before us, and it was known as No Name. So if you've ever had a long night out in Williamsburg, you may have ended up here at some point in time. Uh, we took it over last year. The guys that own Three Kings Tattoo and my other company, Little Wolf Whiskey, are somehow tangentially involved in it. And... Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful little space, and I uh, thought this basement would be perfect for the podcast. Yes, and yeah, we were just recorded a podcast here with uh, today's guest, Will Noon. You may know from Stray Light Run. Great guest, fine drummist. Fine drummist, <laughs> yeah. So just has a new project with uh, Jared from the Honorary Title called Mourners, who just released a song. Great uh, name. Also touring drummer for Played With Fun, with Nate, with Nate from uh, Nate Roos, I believe is how you say it. Breaking Pangea. Breaking Pangea. Uh, Prior to that, Brody. I don't know about this one. Yeah. Maryland-based well, originally, right? Well, this is the Philly, I think. Well, that band was from Philly. Okay. The, the reason, when Will came in today, I was very confident that we would be extremely chummy uh, <laughs> because we played together about 20 years ago. Um, but, you know, took a minute. Yeah, it, it took happens. a minute. But in all fairness, it should. Yeah. I certainly don't look anything like I used to. No. I couldn't grow a mustache. Right. You know? It's changed your whole personality, Benny. Yeah. I think if you're going to come on this again, you're going to have to grow a mustache. Because uh, I just noticed how yeah, out of Brendan, the loop you kind of are here. That's the yeah. only thing I can deliver in terms of facial hair. I can do mustache and a little bit of uh, chin stuff, but that's about it. So We have sort of a it. super troopers prerequisite around here. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, ra- I'm rabbit then. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're I'm, I'm growing it. I'm growing it. Um, yeah, we talked about yeah all that stuff. <laughs> we had the- some great insight on Will... Uh, Taking a motorcycle across country and what that was like. A lot of information on Bitcoin. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Brad gets mad when we talk too much about what we're going to say. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. We shouldn't As I would imagine. And we were the listeners, dude. I thought you were supposed to wet the whistle. I, feel, I like wetting it a little bit. Yeah. It's a good table of contents. It's a good yeah. table of contents. Is it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because maybe if someone was like, oh, I was only going to listen to 10 minutes of this. And then they're like, huh, motorcycle story across the country. That oh, sounds yeah, interesting. I'll, point, stay, I'll stay in, you know? Yeah. It's in the... Uh, it's in the description. I think maybe we're... <laughs> Brad, come on, Brad. Indulge us a little. This yeah. is, it's all part yeah. of the cell. This it's is all not part 1978, of okay? It's not a fucking backstage at a Steely Dan concert, Brad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Those are the days. Yes. Steely Dan. That's insulting, Benny. <laughs> Great group. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess that is enough. That's a good tease. Yeah. We talk about investing, other stuff. Perfect. We don't know a lot about. So Stop yeah, teasing. let's get into it. <laughs> From A Bar, here's Will Noon on Going Off Track. It's going off track. What is kombucha exactly? I think it's fermented tea. Oh, it is? It's just tea? I think so. Why does it get you drunk then? Because it's fermented? Fermentation. Yes. Little little bit of alcohol. If I yeah. fermented like a bergamot, would I would I also get drunk? I don't know. Although for like more higher alcohol content, kombuchas are becoming like more popular. Like a lot of places are making like five percent, like where it's kind of like you'll purposely get drunk off it. But you also get some kind of health benefits. A Red Bull and kombucha. Yeah, that's going to be like a thing soon. Yeah. Well, it sounds like more of like a beer thing. Yeah. You would just drink like a six pack of kombucha and get wasted. Yeah. And, and then beer you feel- was once, was beer once kombucha? Like, hey, we came up with this cool fermented drink. <laughs> with all the health benefits. Yeah, with yeah. all these health benefits. <laughs> well, probably. Grog was, grog was some kind of weird thing. <laughs> what do you mean? Grog was what, like early beer. What? And I feel like it was similar. Should I, should That's I like some up? medieval shit. Yeah, oh, is that what the grog let's shop produce some grog? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Because I think it's like some medieval like mead and grog and yeah, like those well, old mead timey. is honey, right? Mead is like honey wine. Is that what you do with Ooh, mead? 
Uh, it's a variety. Grog is a variety of alcoholic beverages. Oh, geez. There's a grog recipe. We can make some. It originally referred to a drink made with water and rum. Journey really with Bayer. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> are you attracted to Grog because of the Grog Shop? I do love the Grog Cleveland? Shop. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's probably Cleveland the best hometown. venue in Cleveland. Yeah. Well, What's the best venue in Cleveland history? The old Grog Shop. The old yeah. Grog Shop was pretty awesome. Do you remember cool. the old Grog? Yeah. That was, I mean, that was where I went oh, to wait. high school. I just said, yeah, super confidently. <laughs> it used to be on the other... Out, I, no. I'm thinking in my head real fast. This could be fact-checked. It was on the other side of the street on the other end of Coventry. When was it open? The first show at the new Grog Shop was a Mars Volta when their first record came out. Oh, then maybe I never So that have. was, I don't know how long ago, like 15 years ago? Oh, maybe? no, then I never went to the old Grog Shop. Yeah. So I, I did, table. dude. I played I went like, like 93. This. I went, I played, yeah, 93. You know, hey, when that happens... Yeah. You're like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, shit. Hmm, like, I wonder if I that's totally, true. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think that's well, true. Well, did you ever play the old Grog? Fuck yeah. Yeah? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, I can barely remember it, but I've definitely... Like, I knew the new Grog shop as a new thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It was like, oh, cool, they're moving. Um. Yeah, well, we're here with Will Noon. Hi, Will. Oh, Will. hey. What's How up? How are you? Did we start? Yeah, oh, we're yeah. starting now. Fuck. Yeah, we're starting. We roll, we're starting. Cool. But, uh, I rem- but we'll cut out all that stuff you said about all those people. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. We're fine. Uh, speaking of, we were talking about Cleveland. I remember when you came by the Alternative Press offices with Stray Light Run when you guys played with Coheed and Cambria. Oh, okay. That would have been December of 2003, Whoa. two days before we flipped a van. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Goodness. Um. And that's an interesting, yeah, because I remember, like, that's actually a very interesting thing you bring up, because I have a question from one of your friends. Uh, what? We're this kicking is, off with some mystery? Yeah, because this is what mystery it's about. Right oh, into it. yeah. uh, this is going to be very easy, I think, for you to guess. Okay. I hit up so, one of your friends. Will to, to, this is your To life. describe, the, the mystery friend segment of the podcast is where we get inside information from one of your friends. Okay. We will tell you to explain said information then you have to guess which friend told this okay all right and okay. your friend said asked and you said, win nothing <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean <laughs> he said ask should he win ask will about the Something? time straylight's van straylight runs van almost flipped over wow that's an amazing oh. segue yes yeah, perfect right perfect um so this was two days after the cleveland show yeah so okay so it was the first few months of Straylight being a band, we didn't have a record out or anything. We just had some demos that we put up on the internet. And uh, yeah, I guess September was our first tour. And then, <clears throat> so it was December of 2003, which makes me feel pretty old. Me too. Because <laughs> like, that wasn't like my first band, you know, that <laughs> this isn't like the high school band. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so we did like four shows with Coheed. Oddly enough, my old band, Breaking Pangea, took them on a tour and i I don't know if it's a quote, but at one point, I think Josh or one of the guys in Coheed called EVR and asked them if they were being hazed. They genuinely didn't think the tour was real. They thought it was like training because it was so bad. (laughs) So Breaking Pangea as a headliner, quote unquote. um, Wait, they really thought it was all like a ruse, like an elaborate ruse? I don't know if it was. That was like a joke that was then turned into a joke. But like apparently it was so bad they were like... Oh. was this just to train us? Like not that the tour was a joke, but that they, I think they had just signed to EVR and they were just starting to get going and like boot camp. Yeah. They thought EVR yeah. purposely sent them on like this disaster of a tour to like get them ready. It's actually not a terrible idea. <laughs> no. I mean for, like all young bands. Yeah. Everyone should learn. You know what I mean? Everyone. Yeah. Should, anyway, I don't <laughs> want to be the cranky old guy. That's like, you didn't pay your dues, but anyway, I mean, we'll get so, to that later. <laughs> so go paid their dues courtesy of me and Fred and Clint. <laughs> anyway. So, um, so Coheed, uh, took stray light out for like four shows and we were in, I think the last one was in Michigan, whatever, somewhere in Michigan. It doesn't matter. Anyway. So we were doing like an, the overnight drive cause that's what smart people do in December in the Northeast, you know, you'll drive like 17 hours or whatever it is. But back like to New you York. said, like times, times are thin and the idea of getting a hotel room versus driving all night is a very, that's a serious decision bands have to right. deal with. Right. Exactly. It's not, an, I mean, it's irrational in a certain sense, but it's a, it's a decision you have to make based on economics. Like you it's can only do so irrational. Many, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a reality that we have to deal with, that yeah. we have to weigh those things. Exactly. So we were coming, we were just past Pittsburgh, um, coming through PA at like nine in the morning after an all night drive. And 
you know, it was just super slick and it had just snowed and, you know, whatever was happening, we were just trying to make it. Yeah, and 78 or I, 80. I think it was, you know, I don't know, but it's that section that gets kind of hilly, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and December and it was, there was snow and there was ice and it was, you know, just morning, which is like the coldest part of the day. Either way, we were in the left lane, uh, sort of lost control and we just started to skid and slide into the right lane on a two lane section. Oof. And we rotated a full one in 180 degrees with a trailer slid out, you know, back in front of us. So we were traveling backwards at that point. Um, luckily it, sort of, it was snowing, but we, we tra- then like, you know, slid off to the, you know, the right hand side, the shoulder. And luckily we just did one turn. So we just landed on our side. So we didn't actually flip over and sort of luckily there was snow on the ground. There was like a couple wow. inches of snow. So it sort of braced our impact. Crazy. Um, so yeah, so we we just we were all super lucky. No one had any like serious injuries. Wow. Um, Where we, were you like positioned in the van? Were you like thrown over to the side? I like? was no, I was okay. So so the way it, the way we spun, we spun with uh you know from the sort of clockwise or counterclockwise. If you're looking above, <laughs> it would have been clockwise. So the the back left side of the van swung out to be forward and then finally around. I don't, it's not going to matter. It's not going to translate, but whatever. So we went over. I was in shotgun. Sean was driving and I ended up being suspended from the from the ceiling at that point cuz my side was up. So I was hanging by my seatbelt above oh, Sean. Shit. Like if my seatbelt wasn't on, I would have just fallen right, right. on top of Sean. So Crazy. we checked to make sure everyone was okay. Everybody somehow surprisingly like was. There were, I think, three people sleeping in the back. John, Michelle, and our friend Sarah was doing merch. Yeah, so everybody happened to be okay. And we, we had to pop my door open, the passenger side door open and climb out the what was wow. then the top of the van. Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. the side door. Because we were on our side. Yeah, Shit. exactly. I guess we could have went out the back of the van, but we, you know, we just kind of almost died, so we weren't thinking too much. So, we, yeah. yeah, we all climbed out, jumped off the van, and then waited for some troopers to come and the whatever. So, but the crazy part about this story is that we got the van towed over onto its side and one of the trailer tires was busted, so we, like, went to whatever Walmart sort of like place was open, had that sort of replaced, but and then just on your way. And then, well, we, the snow was coming in. So we hit at a hotel, you know, we waited it out 24 hours, but we used that van on another tour that summer. Like we, we did another 4,000 mile like loop yeah, 10,000 mile loop, whatever it is. And I don't know how we did that. But anyway, so that's that's the time we almost Again, was one rational. Exactly. Yeah, it was like, well, the van still goes, so let's do it. Who do you think would ask you to tell that story? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, the most obvious cases would be John, Sean, or Michelle. Because, it's one of those. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to. I, I guess I'm putting my money on Sean. Not Sean. Damn it. Well, then uh, next would be John because I don't John, think you. It was John. Now that I John re- who John Nolan John okay. Nolan Straight Light Run Taking oh. Back Sunday. Yeah. Mystery uh, friend. Mystery friend. <laughs> Thank you, John. Yeah. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, now that I think about it, Sean probably would have been traumatized by it a little bit more. <laughs> so he probably wouldn't have wanted it to be thought of or spoken of. Yeah. Um, I was. One thing I remember also when we were in Cleveland was we were talking about. It's probably something you haven't talked about in a while, but it was Victory Records. Mm-hmm. Was the situation in Straylight was you guys sort of had to be on Victory because contractually? Yeah, John and Sean were still under contract from their TBS Tigmex on a contract. So they still owed, you know, it was probably a three record deal or whatever it was. So they still owed two records a piece. And, you know, what was that experience like for you kind of in general? Because obviously, like, there's so many kind of like weird stories from that era. Right. Like, we don't have to like dredge it up, but I'm just curious. Like, so much time has gone by. I'm just like curious, like, what it, it was like being on the label that era. It's it it's probably similar to a lot of people's experience because so much of it stems from Tony, who was the the, the anchor for all those stories. I mean, he's legitimately crazy, I think, um, but he's legitimately crazy in a way that scares people, intimidates people, and inspires people. So all the people that complain about him, like we do and have the right to, also sold a shit ton of records on that label. Like every time I mention it, everybody's like, "Oh wow, you guys, you guys really did really well on that." And it, I actually saw randomly saw Danny Bush, who was like, he's like, I don't know if, what exactly his job is, but he was like promoting. He was like a radio promoter, kind of um, working for like Red Distribution, I think at the time, who distributed Victory Records, and he was like. 
he was like, man, he's like, with that second single, he's like, if you, that was on a full length, not an EP, like we would have really like gone, we would have had it. But either way, like there were a lot of people working very hard and there was a lot of money put into the Straylight, first Straylight record. So it's hard to like fault them 100%. Yeah. So sure. there were good parts that came of it. Like sure. what we were doing at one point when we, we did one tour with, uh, with uh, Minus the Bear, that was amazing um there were a bunch of bands on it actually honorary title was on that oddly enough um but yeah i think at one point we were selling like four thousand records a week like wow. several months after you know like nine months after our record came out and it's like that's crazy yeah to think about that right now <laughs> like if i sold four thousand records period that'd be cool but we were doing like in a week and we weren't on the radio we weren't right you know actually i guess we did that one song did have like some radio pockets but it wasn't like a huge thing we weren't like a household name but this is a different time also anyway yeah. so yeah so there's like there are good things that come of it but it was but tony is you know he's like very iron-fisted with the way he does things he's very you know he does things out of spite um and uh you know so it wasn't a good experience overall or emotionally you know it doesn't make you feel I don't know. Not many of us do this just for the numbers aspect of it. Not like I sold X records. So therefore I'm happy. Like if we wanted to do that, we'd have other jobs. Sure. The thing that's hard to understand is like you say, you do it out of spite. Like what's that man? What's he so spiteful about? Like what, what's the thing that really gets him so angry that he goes after everyone? Is it like disrespect? Is it, you know, people not working hard enough? Like what is, what is his deal with that? You know? I definitely can't speak to that, but it, yeah. you know, everybody, I think everybody knows a person or some people have that in themselves to some small extent where you have that chip on your shoulder or, you know, someone's just angry at the world. Yeah. You know, they just like nothing, no amount of success will make them happy. No amount of, you know, acclaim or admiration or whatever, you know, will, will make them feel like enough is enough. Right. They just want more power. They want more respect. They want more money they want you know it's just a more and more and more thing um you know it definitely seems like he's got com- like weird confidence issues like overcompensating for things mm-hmm. like i don't know if he was like bullied as a kid and now he's trying to prove everyone that he's the best he's the alpha he's top dog he is the best i mean his label's called victory you know <laughs> and that that uh, i think i remember one at one point john put out a john nolan put out a solo record with doghouse record and he even vic tony even made a reference to like why would he sign to that label even their name is doghouse that's where he's gonna be it's like the, <laughs> you know, and the implication was that victory is the best label like they picked the right. best name so it was very interesting <laughs> anyway that's kind of like the person he is you know yeah. he just needs more and, and and it really works i think on a lot of in a lot of ways sure it's like, very, yeah. very I mean, trump-esque well, yeah, yeah but I mean, that, that's what's that, you know, this comes up all the time with the people who are, it, it's like the people who reach for it the most sometimes sadly are just the ones who get it and the ones who are trying to play it cool and do right by people and do all that are, you know, it's one of the shitty things about being like a, an atheist if you are, right? It's like, it's like when no one's judging you then that's bullshit. <laughs> and we should just like take everything from everyone. Cause who gives a fuck? <laughs> right. Why don't we just get all Wu Tang? If it doesn't matter, if some guy who's going to live his entire life, like an asshole, is going to just get more than me because he's an asshole. And then there's no judgment for it in any sense. And I just have to, well, the biggest die asshole, with the clean conscience. The that's biggest, what I get. Like, that's all I get is dying with a clean conscience. That's it. The biggest assholes Come don't on. seem to be too concerned about, uh, being judged because they're definitely the ones that are claiming to be the most pious. Well, Benny, also, I think if you had that mentality, you wouldn't be requesting incense for this podcast either. Well, I mean, I was just like, you got me Nog Chomps laying around. It is, it's very vibey down here. It Should is. we paint a it picture is. for people about sure. our so new this location? Is our, I'll talk yeah. about the intro, but this is our first podcast in the basement of A-Bar in yeah. on Manhattan Avenue. Um, a little bit of a different vibe. We're all wearing our coats. Wearing our coats. Uh, our, friend, <laughs> our friend Brendan uh, manages, uh, has a job here, and he let us do it. So thank you to them. And, uh, Will, you mentioned, uh, honorary title earlier. Yeah. yeah. I got an email mm-hmm. about your new band. Oh, sweet. With Jared for honorary title called yeah. Mourners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
today someone said i guess your publicist was like jared and will have a new band i thought you'd be into this and i was like yeah will's coming on in like an hour wait we, we have a publicist <laughs> some let me see <laughs> who did it come from wow. it came from did it come from christian <laughs> it came from i mean we might i don't know everything it's a great band name how did nobody have that thank you it is yeah I don't know. It's, it's all jared he's a weirdo it's one of those good ones where i'm like fuck yeah man should have thought was it hard that. to was it hard to land on it no i mean uh, Jar- jared's great and he's christian. weird oh, okay Christian's, cool yeah. yeah so christian has been managing jared for a while so okay he's gotcha. like he's our manager he's our little papa that makes sense well he's on it yeah still he is he is awesome um i just met him through sort of kind of through jared um when i moved to la a couple of years ago and he's he's been great but uh but yeah so i'm sure this is there's some sort of delay but in the release of this but as of today the recording we have one song finally in, okay. in the world <laughs> nice so how well let's talk maybe how did you end up in la and how did sort of the, this project with jared come together um we uh we both ended up in la through relationships his current his wife is is out there her family's out there so he moved out there and i think he was like begrudging it he was saying because he just doesn't feel like an la if you know jared he's not yes. really an la guy <laughs> he's more of like a dark like <laughs> introverted weirdo new york kind of type um but i moved out there a couple of years ago i fucking love it it's ridiculous <laughs> this whole like jackets and coats and yeah winter thing um just unnecessary yeah it's cool to like visit for a few days like just to, to remind you yeah to hang out with my folks and like just hide on their couch under blankets and watch tv like every time i come home i, wa- I watch tv and it's the weirdest <laughs> thing like commercials like tv yes. tv that's what i do with my parents too that's yeah. the move that's the thing it's so weird uh, anyway so <laughs> then there's snow and um but yeah so so a couple of years ago i moved out there um with a, a, a now ex-girlfriend but um once we broke up, I was like, this place is awesome. I mean, it's not as annoying as I thought it was going to be. Because, you know, you go on tour and you end up in West Hollywood doing like right. the Troubadour or the Roxy or, you know, like House of Blues or like those venues. Because I wasn't cool enough to play like the Echo Park Silver Lake venues, like Satellite or whatever. Right. Get some Jack in the Box and then drive out of there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's in and out, you know. That, you <laughs> yeah, know. Right. So, sure. um, but yeah, so it, I always just had that negative connotation of LA. It's like traffic and just like fancy bullshit and like fake people yeah exactly and then i moved out there and i was like on the east side and i was like in like lame areas like glendale which is kind of awesome and the silver lake echo park is cool but then highland parks and the mount washington's and glassell parks i was like oh this is kind of shitty and awesome i'm into this i love glendale yeah and then i wrote i ride a motorcycle so i'm like cool i can do this every single day of the year yes this is something else i really want to talk about oh yeah but i don't want to divert too much on this all right uh, so, so you moved out there and then you obviously had known Jared a long time. Oh, right. Yeah. So as I was saying earlier, um, yeah, we, uh, Straylight had a headlining tour actually that it was, uh, one of the alt, alt press tours, the AP tours. Oh yeah. I don't know if you were there at the time, but I was, was there from Oh two to Oh five. So it seems like maybe yeah, it probably would have been it right sounds, in there. This sounds familiar. Yeah. Cause I think we put the record out in Oh four. So it would have been like spring of Oh five. So it was like us minus the bear. I want to say Spitalfield. Oh, sh- um, Joan, uh, the, uh, the other Jonah, uh, Matranga, Matranga, yeah, Matranga. yeah, his band, um, gratitude. Gratitude. Oh, I know yeah. Mark from gratitude. gratitude who's awesome. Good. I don't know if yeah. you know crumb and, anyway. So, uh, Mark's awesome. So it was them and honor title. And, and it was, it was an awesome tour. It was like, that is a good bill. all like, yeah. it was stacked. Five bands is a lot, but it was great. And we played great venues. But so I, I think that was the first time I had toured with Jared and the honorary title. Um, and then years later, fun what the first tour i did with fun we did like a full us and jared was on most of that as a solo artist um playing acoustic with this violin player dre who's awesome and so i like reconnected with him then um and then he had a band on atlantic with um blake from rilo Kyle. yeah they did the podcast mm-hmm. oh, Night, cool. nightmare of uh, 19 night, night, night terrors night terrors of 1927 yeah something something, <laughs> something like that yeah they came on the podcast together i'm I remember that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then, yeah. The older so, you get, the more band names are just oh like, yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so we kind of ran into each other over the past 10 years and, and he's been great. And I think he's, a, he's got a phenomenal voice and I think he's a great writer. Um, and then uh, for the past year, I've been lucky enough to just like reconnect with him and, 
I think he was kind of not reacting, but you know, it happens where you do one thing and then you want to do another thing. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of swing the pendulum swing. So he was doing night terrors, which was uh, a little more, a little like bigger, uh, more not electronic, but electronic, if that makes any sense. It was just like, it was more pop and more big and more like they were going for it. And he just kind of wanted to start like a shitty punk band almost. And I was like, Oh my God, thank you. Yes. That's all I've wanted to do. So, um, so we just like record shitty demos at my studio and then we go into a studio and try and record them for real. And it sounds way better. And we're like, I don't know if I like that as much. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's sort of, so just the two of you or is it, um, yeah, we, we've been playing with, uh, our friend Elliot, uh, Lorango, but he plays in like 400 bands. You know, he's like the kind of guy that literally has three sessions when we rehearse for a show or something, he's there. He's like, okay, I can be there from like two to five thirty or something. Cause he has whatever session during the morning recording. And then he's like rehearsing for some, you know, jazz gig at night. Um, so he doesn't play all the shows and he's not always in the studio with us. Um, it would be great if, you know, it consolidated, but, but you know, like having a full band is so passe. Yeah, no, it's true. It's I wonder true. now that you have like the actual visible contrast in your life, um, like, do you think by living in California and creating music in California, like actual, the, the place you're living and like how it affects your music, like, is your music different on the East coast as a result of the winter and all the things you're talking about, right. maybe your disposition and get to California. I mean, I've lived in California for short bursts a couple mm-hmm. times and like, I mean, everything people talk about, I mean, it's real. Like just waking, like you feel invigorated in the morning by sunshine and right. like weather and just like You're not getting on the train. No, nah, it's yeah. different. It's just yeah. different. You know what I mean? And like, and I wonder, like, have you noticed anything in that that comes across in music or you're playing as, as a result? It's it's really interesting for me. I'm just like a dumb drummer, so like I don't stop. think <laughs> stop. I don't that. think Jesus I'm the Christ. guy that hangs out with See, musicians. We've been beaten down so long. Even drummers, oh, 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 oh. even drummers talk about this oh. way about themselves. You know what I mean? It's like it's oh, like we're we're like Pavlov's musicians who've been told we're. But it's stupid so long that we believe it now. This it's is funny that you no, no. I'm a particular. I'm a particular. I mean, I like. I can play power chords on a guitar. I'm just, You're but anyway, a smart drummer, though. I'm. I'm a smart drummer. Oh no. Yeah. But my. I think personally that my like intellectual prowess um, isn't really musical. I mean, like I, you know, I can help finish a song. Like in a right. in a band dynamic, you I'm, shut the fuck up, Brad. I'm like, I think I'm useful in a band dynamic. And but but like, if you were like stick me in a room with a bunch of gear, which I have a studio, like I, I can't create the content. You know what I mean? Like I'm just sure. not the person who, who starts the song, who has the <clears throat> emotional like need to express themselves, to connect. I'm more of a watching other people and like fixing things. That's but just you don't how my think there's works. an emotional expression but, behind playing drums. Uh, I'm kind of hmm, not for me. Okay. I'm just a different person, but it's interesting that you, that you do say that because it, I've, been aware of that sort of concept of sunshine and songwriting and how right. weather affects yeah, it because sure. my old, old, old band, Breaking Pangea, right. you, Fred, I remember Fred, I referenced this like days ago, huh. not very long at all. He, I remember specifically he said that he does, I mean, I mean, maybe he doesn't want me to say this, but whatever, like not that it's a real thing, but he doesn't trust a sad song that someone wrote in somewhere like California or Southern yes. California. He's just like, yeah, if you see the sun every single day, he's like, he's like, uh, you don't know the depths of the, <laughs> you know, of the pain and of the thing, because there, there really is like a cleansing nature to like sunlight, you know, sure. I mean, you, and I, I agree with it personally. Like well, it's hard hear it in the music. I it's mean, hard to be depressed. Like you go outside, you know, you're in the studio and it's like a cave and blah, blah, blah. And you're like working, 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 you get stuck or this, that or whatever. And you go outside and you're like, it's nice out. It's yeah. so nice out. And you're, and you're just in like, shorts. And yeah. You're just like, yeah. Everything's easy. Short, like a t-shirt and jeans. You can wear that every single day. It doesn't matter. Although you get on the motorcycle and it's nighttime. It, it does get a little cold. Sure. But how, how is riding a motorcycle not terrifying for you? Because uh, to me, it looks so fun, but it looks so scary. It's terrifying at times. And I think the reality, I think, I think riding it, the adrenaline and the fun part of it overrides 
Is the, it really the fear? Oh my god, it's the, like literally the best experience. Really, it's the closest I'm a, thing to flying that you can do. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure the people that like skydive. And I include flying in that because <laughs> flying is not. If you've ever been in like a small plane trying to pretend you're flying, you don't feel like that. But on a bike, you do. Yeah, I mean, just like on a in a convertible, it's just kind of hard to not have fun when you're just like, yeah, this is fun. You kind of like smile because there's like. You look around and there's nothing. But in, on a motorcycle, you can literally like look to your side. There are no doors. And you look down and there's no floor. <laughs> there's like this very small thing that you're sitting on and that's it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. But when you're not riding, I think... I mean, obviously when you're riding, you have to be careful and don't be aware of it. But like when I'm not riding, that's when I sort of focus on like statistically, uh, you know, it's so much more dangerous. Like the fatality rate of a motorcycle, you know, per mile is just off the charts compared to train, automobile, plane travel. Right. How did it, you kind of get into it? It's kind of in my family. My father uh, rode bikes his whole life. He's got a, a, an old Ducati that he bastardized and right now would be like the Mecca of hipsters, you know, like, <laughs> and of course he like, he like threw out all the cool parts and like replaced the thing. Um, and then he's, he's had a bike on and off. And then my brother actually got the bug before me. He's a couple of years older. Um, and he actually ended up getting jaded with whatever kind of office job he had at the time. And he, I actually was, I was back from college or from touring or something, visiting New York. And he was just working on his bike and he was kind of in one of those spots, like, uh, I don't know, I don't know with my funk, you know, general life, what am I doing? And I was like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, honestly, he's like, I just want to like wrench on the bike. You know, he's like, I just, that's all I want to do. I'll just hang out and work on my motorcycle. And I said, well, why don't you do that? Like, you know, and then like two weeks later, my mom calls me. She's like, your brother's moving to Arizona. He's going to Harley mechanic school. I don't know what he's doing. He's quit his job. And I said, fuck, nice. I might've done that, but, um, but it worked out because he, he, he did. He moved to Arizona. He went to the Harley mechanic school. He became a Harley mechanic. He's, he was working for a, a dealership and then he moved to, well, they had a proving ground, but now he works for Harley like proper at their proving ground. He like works on the new bikes as they test parts and do different things. They like send parts back to Detroit for the engineers to like work on. And he's super happy. He fucking loves it. Him and his like white trash friends just like ride mm-hmm. bikes, drink shitty beer, and That's he great. works on bikes. Yeah, speaking of, so what do you ride? Um, <laughs> right now I have a Honda Nighthawk 650 from the 80s that I bought in Nashville and rode back to LA. Brad, um, why did you put your hand on your hip when you asked that question? You're like, <laughs> so, and my, that, my brother, I, what do you ride? My Where'd you get that sore. leather vest from? <laughs> this is ridiculous. I ran, I ran back and grabbed this. <laughs> the chaps look good on you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's really um, nice. But, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I like, uh, I'm such a, like not a cool guy, so I don't care like what, what's, what it looks like. I'm just looking for like a cheap, reliable bike. Because I do these trips. So the past couple of years, um, fun, and then the singer Nate Roos with his solo stuff, I've been doing these like one-off shows. Like we'll do a festival and we'll just fly out somewhere and then fly back. But instead of flying back, I just buy a bike on Craigslist and then ride it back to LA. <laughs> cool. Really? Yeah. Fun. Yeah. So I've done a couple of trips. We For some reason, we always end up in Florida. I guess that's like where people do one-offs and corporate shows and private shows and festivals and whatnot. So I've done like three trips from... They like Florida. fun down there. Yeah, yeah. they certainly do. Um, but yeah, so so the last time... Wait, I, so you've ridden back from Florida to LA? Yeah, yeah I did. Um, I did a long ride. Well, yeah, I've done that twice on the Southern route. And one of them, I went up to like through Chicago to Minneapolis, left the bike at some friend's place. Do you know the Now Now guys? I don't know. Oh, they're, they're awesome. Um, um, so yeah, I left it in... Uh, brad and uh casey's garage for like a month did some like we were like went to japan we did this and like a month later i came back picked up the bike and rode it the rest of the way back to la what kind of like and you do these trips by yourself um yeah the first trip i met my buddy in dallas um um and then he rode back with me through like grand canyon and some other you know random national parks and sedona and like we did all off-road riding and it was pretty sweet but other than that like it's just me and and how long did highway. you take to get back, like from Florida to? Straight across, it's like ten or twelve days, you know, with like some right. zigzagging and some, you know, stopping at park. You know what I mean? Going out of your way and camping and stuff. Is that sort of cathartic? I mean, you must find oh. yourself not speaking to someone for a good half a day and oh, hundred percent. You know, and just like when people talk about meditation, I never understood it. I never understood how you could just sit there and not think and then benefit from it somehow. But mm-hmm. when I heard them speak about what's like actually happening or what they're trying to achieve. Started thinking about riding a motorcycle for 12 hours a day 
with no access to your phone or anything but your thoughts. And it is this interesting thing that when you're writing, it's very important that you're present. Right. Because, you know, you like, it's not even like riding, driving a car because riding a motorcycle, there's balance. So you're actually using your, your shoulders and your wrists and your hands to do things and you're balancing this thing. You have to like swerve or turn or avoid things. But so you're very present. You're very cognizant of that. But when you do it for an hour or two at a time, you are able to have this weird separation in your brain where you kind of can mull something over. You can kind of separate a bit. And I don't know how it works, but it's like not quite out of body experience, but your mind just kind of drifts. And there's part of your mind that like can latch onto an idea or a conversation and it can kind of like sort things out in your life, you know? So it, it is interesting to, I don't know. I'm like, Oh, hippy dippy bullshit meditation. And I'm like, Oh fuck. I meditate. Yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah, fuck it. It's like as long as you can wind up in the same place, however you get there. Right. I mean, I find a weird meditative quality to being stoned and looking at baseball stats. Like, I don't know what it is. It's the yeah, no. only, it's like the Whatever only works, weird man. time that I can think about nothing. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think That's some people do it with like happening. repetitive tasks. Like if you were uh, knitting or something, just some right. sort of small, yeah. not, you know, or painting. Some people really like painting because mm-hmm. it's a very repetitive, simple task. Whatever it is, you know, if you find something like that, it's great. And and it, it's a good recharge for me because of how much time we spend on our fucking phones. Sure. And, you know, just connected and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's the... Be- I remember when I... My girlfriend, who's now my wife, at one point, she was like, hey, don't they have these, like, little radios you can put in your helmet so we could talk to each other? And I was like, ah, no, those things don't really work. <laughs> they don't really work. <laughs> Static, you know. That was, like, my worst nightmare in the world. <laughs> Do you still ride? No, I oh, got okay. married and started having kids. And oh, yeah, yeah. It was too much. You either you either wreck the bike and you realize how dangerous it is, or you have kids and you're like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Those if anyone's thinking about having kids, I think Brad's the last person you should talk to. Because <laughs> the way you make it sound is that every cool part of your life ended, like the second one of them came out, and you're just done. I was Maybe I'm just one of those guys who was looking for the excuse like, fuck to become music, but, but what it, Wait, wait, wait. Cool hold hair. on. Think about, think, think about this. How important music and... And fucking motorcycles and all those things are to us and think of how cool a baby must be that you're like well fuck that stuff i want to do this awesome new thing uh, yeah how cool you know? is a baby on a motorcycle <laughs> dude all i, I want mean, that's double all cool. i want is a small dog to strap to my chest and ride across country with <laughs> I get that's it. all i want what's uh, like your dream animal to like to strap with you what kind of dog oh um i'm not really particular about it i just feel like as far as animals go, I think the dog thing makes the most sense, probably the easiest. But like, if you know, if there were like weird animals we could get, that'd be cool what about too. Like a bulldog in a sidecar. <laughs> the sidecar is interesting because it's like a uh, you know, like a leather like German army helmet or something, <laughs> right? With spikes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or a German shepherd might or be appropriate. Shepherd. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And maybe a Doberman. What, what's your like? Because I I've like I've always had a strange aversion to bikes. Well, not strange, but the, literally the guy my brother is named after was my parents' best friend who died in a motorcycle wreck. Yeah, there's nothing. So like, there's nothing strange about being terrified so of a dangerous would, thing. Yeah, so I was like just taught from the beginning that right. don't go near those things. They're terrible. But you know, I see, I hear stories like this. And I love the road and I love the outdoors and I love going weird places. So the idea of, of, of bike sounds cool, but I'm like 37. I'm like, I'm not cool. I don't care how I look. <laughs> so if I was going to get into it, I think I'd get one of those like straight up old man cruiser, like with, I'm talking luggage compartments, mm-hmm. no, yeah. no, no, no. music. You can get a nice cruiser. You don't have to get. I might even get shit. the third wheel. Like fuck it, So like, what do you what do you think about like seeing like a dude like me out there? Like, are <laughs> well, you like that guy's a herb, or you're just like no, cool, no. whatever? Like, I'm the outcast. Like, any if you talk about like riding a motorcycle, I think there's the implication that you're cool, but I'm definitely not the cool. Like, I'm the guy that found a leather jacket in a thrift store for fifty bucks, and I was like, oh shit this is expensive. Like, well, not expensive, but like it was a good deal. So I bought it. So I have a Harley jacket, but I, I, I had a Harley for about 10 days cause I bought one in Florida, rode it back and then I sold it. Right. So all the other time I'm on these like Japanese bikes with a Harley jacket. And usually the bikes that I, the bikes that I like, 
typically are these like off-road, like dual sport bikes. Okay. And they're not cool looking at all. They look huh. like giant dirt bikes. They're like, uh, they're not tough and cool and American like a Harley. They're not like yeah. crotch rocket, like super fast, like Japanese bikes. So do they're you not get like, like the side eye from those guys? Uh, not, I wouldn't say the side eye, but I'm never like part of the gang. Like right. I don't have a crew. I'm not like part of a motorcycle crew. I don't have like, I have a couple of friends that ride, but like usually it's like <clears throat> just like my, my daily driver. I just like get on it and go from place to place or I do these trips and it's pretty awesome doing the all off-road bike because you know, you can go camping in spots where it's like BLM land, which is the Bureau, Bureau of Land Management. Basically, there's a lot of land in this country that you pay for with your taxes and they let you camp on it. They're like, yeah, it's your land. Go hang out. Really? You can, you can camp for up to two weeks, 14 days as, you know, in a spot. Then you have to move. But it's like, yeah, it's your land. If you want to live on it, you could just like migrate around. You could be where like a nomadic hunter. Just like most national forests and things like that. Like if you go up to um, the Grand Canyon from Flagstaff, the yeah. south route, uh, it's whatever main road that you're going on there are these little offshoot forest roads and you just have to be like a half a mile away from that main drag. And there's a sign that says like, you know, dispersed camping or whatever allowed at p- past this point. Wow. So we, on that first trip, when I met my buddy in Dallas, we, we were going to the, you know, Grand Canyon. We like scooted off and then we found a trail that went off into the woods. We fought cause we had these off-road bikes. We were just like literally riding motorcycles through the woods, found a clearing, wow. stopped and set up camp. Cool. That's it was intense. just like, yeah. it was like, cool. No one's probably within like 10 miles of us. And Man. I mean, it'd be easy place to die, but like whatever. Sure. It was fun. Um, <laughs> I was talking to our mutual friend last night, Danielle Geiger. Oh, Geiger. Amazing. Amazing person. And she was like, you should ask Will about Bitcoin. Oh no. Um, because you were one of the first people I knew to get involved in kind of the cryptocurrency thing, which now is like, you can oh not God. hear about. Oh my God. Uh, I, I tripped you... over some cryptocurrency on the way in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we traded some memes last night. Uh, what's, what are your thoughts on, I guess, like the kind of explosion in the media about it recently? Well, as someone who's followed it for a while, I guess there's, there's a little bit of, I'm, I'm kind of a pain in the ass. So I like, I kind of liked being the guy that would like, start talking about it and everyone would roll their eyes. Like basically that's what happened on tour for like four and a half years. Uh, Basically somebody would somehow overhear something and they'd be like, Oh, what's Bitcoin? And everyone at the table would groan. (laughs) They would all groan and roll their eyes and they knew that I was going to launch. And I I was like, I won't do it. I won't do it. And the person's like, no, 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 really? What is it? And then like people would just start fading away from the table. (laughs) And, and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of fun because I am that pain in the ass kind of guy. I like sure. to push people's buttons and be a dick. Tell me you bought some in the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, oh, I convinced, uh, you know, whatever it was in like 2012 or something, I convinced every, not everybody, but like five of the guys, I was touring with fun at the time and like five of us, I convinced them to buy, it was like 60 bucks at the time. And I was just like, yo, like you have per diem in your pockets right now that's worth this so like i'm telling you it's really cool it's really interesting it's really innovative and like we were in europe at the time and they were like they were just like fine and they would give me like some pounds and some francs and some euro and stuff that in countries that we left so they couldn't use them so it was just like whatever it was like here 60 bucks after like a month in europe it's like i don't know i have this and this and this um so yeah so i was i i've convinced them to do it and you know everybody said that I was a fucking lunatic and it's a Ponzi scheme. And uh, I mean, people still say that, but it's like, yes, anything that you think will go up in the future, it's like, theoretically, you're just looking for a sucker. If you buy a car because you think it's going to be worth more in the future, you could be like, yeah, I'm just waiting for someone else, some sucker to buy it for more right. than I paid for it. Um, well, Bitcoin, though, had a, you know, the advantage of also being useful, you know, like you could use it. It was currency. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there are, there are a bunch of factors and, and it's weird because whenever I start explaining like why I think it's cool and useful and like why it could have value or more value in the future, people would be like, well, well, what about, you know, a credit card does that quicker and easier? And isn't it, you know, isn't it simple to do this and I don't need it to do this, but, but there just because like you don't need it doesn't mean it isn't necessary or it isn't valuable because there are plenty sure. of people that like don't have access to visa there are plenty of people like weird countries in africa not weird countries um <laughs> countries that i've never been to that are foreign to me um uh they they've been using like text payments for like years yeah, yeah. because they didn't have banks and they didn't have credit card networks but they got cell phones because they could be right you know miles and miles away from an epicenter you know and they they were doing i think m peso was one of them wherever it was but 
You now know, we using, have like, those prepaid cell phones, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're, we just then got like Venmo a couple of years ago and it was like, you know, in Europe, they were doing things before that. And I think these countries in like these smaller countries in Africa were doing it well before that because it was just, they didn't have the systems, the, the, the robust you know, infrastructure of payments that and banking that we have. Well, that's so where most like, ingenuity comes from, right? When you don't have something, you create exactly. They were just like, "Oh, well, we have the internet. We have cell phones. Like, I'm paying someone for the cell phone. I can just convert some of that payment into like a text message and right. things like that." So, um, anyways, yeah. So, so why? So, explain to me. I've always been on like the, I don't really have an opinion. One, it seems logical. I don't know. I've never gotten into it. Like, why? in the last like couple months has there been such like like a, a more of a mainstream explosion about it like what happened i to be honest i don't think it's anything specific and it's kind of like you're um you know when you when you love a band and no one's ever heard of it and you're like really excited and you want to talk about it all the time and then like they blow up and it's like i don't know why and then you're just like well, i don't know i yes. don't like them quite not as that, much not that cool like anymore. i mean you know i, I guess, like their older stuff yeah because you it's like, like bitcoin's older older yeah older exactly album. exactly i like i like bitcoin's first i like the demos <laughs> i like bitcoin when it was 13 dollars yeah. yeah and it's just funny like i'm on you know a couple of like group chats and things like that about it and it's just funny to see people like posting on Facebook and they're like, you got to get into this. You got to do it and you got to do it and you got to do it. And I've seen these crashes in the past. The The first one I saw was like where it was like 250 bucks and it dropped down to 60 like in an hour or something, wow. you know, it lost like, you know, 60 or 80% of its value. And I saw that happen. Um, and, and so that was like within the first week, the first day I saw it, it was like $37 and I, I just like started reading about it and I thought it was phenomenal. I called my friend Adam and I was like, Oh my God, you got to check this out. So we spent the next couple of days being like, how do we do it? What, this is cool. Is this real? Is this a fake? Is it a scam? And we were reading, reading, reading. And then it would like double every day. And we were like, Oh my God, it's like $65. We got to get some. And then it was like 120 and we're like, what is happening? And then like the next day it was like 250 and we're like, Oh, it's going away. It's like, we, we missed it. How did we? And then an hour later, it was 60. And we're like, oh, okay, this thing has teeth. We should be careful. Like, right, it's yeah. serious. Um, and then and then a couple of years later, I saw the climb from like 300-ish, 200-ish up to 1,200. It was really exciting to see that happen. And then it wasn't instant, but then it was a slow grind for that entire year to like 200 bucks. Okay. And it was like... Yeah, when people and and the same thing happened to a, on a very very small scale. Like when it saw when people saw that climb from two or three hundred up to twelve hundred, you know, like you'll see a little blurb in like International Business or Wall Street Journal or you right. know Forbes or something. You know, like little blogs and people would send me articles about it because they knew I would talk about it. Um, when it goes up, people talk about it. They get excited about it because they see people make money and they want to make money. Right. Um, I mean, most of the people that are doing it right now don't know like why it has value and why other people are buying it. They just see other people buying it and they want it. You want in, yeah. Yeah, they saw it, you know, it triple, quadruple, or they saw it go up 10x, you know, 10, 10 times the value in less than a year. And it's like, they want that. Right. Um, I'm pretty fearful. Um, uh, Warren Buffett has a great quote. I've been saying this a lot recently, yeah. but uh, he said that uh, you should be greedy when people are fearful and fearful when people are greedy. Huh. And that's sort of what I was doing when people were fearful of this in the past. They didn't know what it was. They called it a Ponzi scheme. They said I was stupid. I was like, oh, I'm taking this opportunity to take advantage of this thing that I've researched a lot. And I think I understand a bit. And this person that's arguing with me has not researched it at all. Right. So I was like, I have the upper hand here. So I was being greedy about it. And I was, you know, willing to risk, um, you know, and, and I, I did it in a safe way. I didn't go all in or anything. You know, I, I it was like at the time I could say, you know, thousand bucks or whatever it was, like five hundred bucks. Like if I lose it, I lose it. You know, it's a gamble. I don't, I don't gamble. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Like, I mean, does anyone know what their like alcohol budget if they drink is in a year? Because <laughs> probably more. It's got to be five hundred bucks, sure. right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why I have like too many snare drums. I come <laughs> home from a tour instead right. of drinking. I'll be like, cool. I got a new snare drum. So on that logic, have you become fearful? Yeah, exactly. So that's the transition. Out of it? Well, that's the thing. I, I I have been. I've been like backing away for the because I've seen these. I've seen two of them. These like sort of boom and bust cycles. Right. And it's it's just there's a sustainability when when a when a chart looks like parabolic when it's vertical. Yeah. yeah. You know, you look at a year long chart and it's like a flat line, 
and then it becomes vertical. It's like it, it, something. There's no way to sustain. I mean, there is a way to sustain it. If everyone in the world every day started buying more and more and more Bitcoin, that is possible. But at it's some so at some point, like I, I mean. But I don't know. I'm still waiting for a housing market, the next housing market correction. Like I'm yeah. fearful of buying a house because the past five years, everything's up like 10, 20% a year. It's like California. I don't know. I'm assuming New York is the same. Yeah. Um, granted, we're coming out of a recession, so everything was really depressed. But I feel like we're back to those levels that the last bubble wa- were and even yeah. more so in California. I mean, uh, Warren Buffett, the same man, also... W- my favorite quote from my really shitty E-Trade account that I keep uh, <laughs> that I like to think about is you should never buy anything you don't see yourself owning for 30 years. Like something that you understand to the point that you would feel comfortable right. owning it that long from now if it's smart or not. Right. I dig that one too. Yeah. he's. I mean, I, I like him a lot. But I'm not him. Like in the sense he's very old school. He's very traditional. And sure. he's very like... He's, he seems very risk averse. You yeah. know what I mean? He seems a company that like has a lot of potential. Well, when and your company undervalued. shares trade for like $1,000 a share or $100,000 yeah. a share, then yeah, you could probably chill, kick your feet up and not be too aggressive. Right. right. And that's, that's his approach. It's very long-term and very safe and very sane. And like he just picks companies that are undervalued and he sees value and he's like, I know it's there. Yeah. There's no risk. He's like, no one's taking this. It's an opportunity that no one's taking. Right. That's why it's it's priced this way. So he jumps in, whereas Bitcoin is not that. It's like a completely new sort of technology, and it's a new like program that it, it solves these little problems in a way that people hadn't done in the past, and it, it's really interesting. But I don't think he fully understood it. Um, but that's not his. It's not a fault of his. That's just not how he works. He doesn't deal with like sure. cutting edge technologies. He's not you know, investing in small startups and different things. He has some great quotes about Margaritaville though. I don't know if you guys have heard him. (laughs) Buffett, Dick, Jimmy Buffett, Warren. Oh yeah, Yeah. totally. (laughs) (laughs) Transition. (laughs) Jonah, why did you realize that incense? Jonah's getting lonely over here. Why did I fucking have to talk about motorcycles? Jonah's over there. Yeah. Now, and now I think Jonah's polishing nickels. (laughs) This is what, it's like when you you know start talking about Bitcoin, it's like everyone's eyes glaze over. And like, uh, no, I think it's I think it's interesting. I'm I just, the opposite. I just I'm think, sitting here going like, "Fuck!" I think it's interesting. I just think like for, I, I would imagine I if, if I were you, it would be just annoying, like to always be hearing them. Like, yeah, I know. I actually know how this works, and none of you people have any clue even what this is. There, there's but don't like, you feel that way about indie rock? Uh, I mean, no, not, I don't know. He's a journalist. You have to ask that question. (laughs) That's a prerequisite. The the stuff I like is not going to make money or it's not cool. You know what I mean? Like what your words make bands money. Once you pen their bio, I know, but I'm not, I'm not like, Oh, I know more about grade than you. Like, but you do, you know, you know more about grade than most people. I I do, but I don't turn on the TV and they're like, Oh, this grade ratio is coming up on 20 years. But, but the, the world that we lived in, in like the late nineties, early two thousands, like a lot of those bands, or at least the bands they influenced or the bands that they then became, became wildly popular. Yes. Like you knew about, um, I don't know, can't even think of it, but like the band and then the, the, the guy started a solo project and then the guy started another band and then this, that and the other. It's like, you, so you saw those indie bands become pop bands, like sure, yeah. like emo bands, like that whole emo world. Like I was talking about it the other day. It's like when I was in high school, it was not cool to be in a band. We had like a little niche. And yeah. then by the time I started touring with Straylight, I'm pretty sure that the kids were coming to shows were like the cool kids. Cool kids. It was yeah. like the attractive people. I and I was like, so is being in a band like the equivalent of being on the football team? Is it like, are they cool now? Well, it was like went mainstream. You're a perfect example of that though, to like even a larger extent, like playing with, with Jack or with Nate, like those guys, you know, like Jack coming from like steel train or right. Nate from um, format. And right. now, then you're playing the Grammys with them or something. Right. And, and, but that's what I'm saying is like, you, and that's, I think what Benny was saying that you knew about, you wrote about format and steel sure, train. You sure. can talk about their first records. You can talk sure. about what tours they did in the labels and you know, the ins and outs of their labels. Whereas most people that know fun or bleachers, they don't know. I mean, there are the super fans and those are like the best. Um, but there are a lot of people that just like see him on TV and they're like, Oh, yeah. he's dating that girl. Right. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, it's just right. like they read a magazine, they see him in the magazine. They're I heard like, this in a chase commercial. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> was he in a movie? Oh, that's cool. It was like, you know, it's like, Oh, I saw that song in a movie or something. Or like, I saw them on the Grammys. Yeah. They know yeah. one song. Yeah. But you, 
you 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 can be high and mighty because you're like yeah i know the song i know the album i know the people i've like hung out yeah. with them like yeah i yeah. got drinks with them on tuesday <laughs> i interviewed them on thursday we went to the russian bathhouse together went to the bathhouse <laughs> yeah i mean basically i was i was sleeping on a art you know some dude's floor in 2003 with bitcoin you know what i mean yeah like, yeah <laughs> you know like we were in the van we were slugging it out that's it <laughs> <laughs> me and satoshi we were there oh, and now oh, man he fucking sold out man yeah he but you know what I'm, I'm i'm really i'm happy for him you're you know? happy for him you're yeah yeah better. that's cool yeah I, I don't i don't listen to the newest bitcoin yeah, record right you know? yeah <laughs> i i mean i like the older stuff the satoshi solo record you yeah. know but <laughs> you know um, it must uh, be it must be he must have his own problems yeah you know exactly. like that it's just hard to understand more money more problems yeah i don't think that's true no. By the way, people say that all the time or like money doesn't buy, you know, like money makes happiness a lot fucking easier, doesn't it? Well, you, best, you know, you know, like, let me just say my quote. Like if you're, quote, if you have enough money to like, wake, same to like wake up when the sun <laughs> is wrong. warm and <laughs> get like a nice, like cooked breakfast at a, at a nice place and maybe got a 30 minute massage and took a swim and then went about your day. I'm sorry. Like what? You're probably not going to be in a better mood than the alternative. No, they've done studies that show that there's a cutoff where underneath a certain amount of money, you know, where you're, where you're kind of like health is at risk. Right. You reach a certain point and then yes, you, it does. You are more relaxed and happier, but then as it goes up, then you become less happy. Oh, so what's the what's the golden section? But I still to, have to, to get in. So <laughs> it works against my favorite quote though, which is David Lee Roth who says, "Money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a big ass yacht and you can pull up right next to it." Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, you know what? <laughs> I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast a lot, and he said the best thing about having a lot of money is not worrying about money. Yeah, because he was like, I was poor for a long time. Now I have tons of money, and or he's like, not just not thinking about money. He's yeah. like, it's just not something I stress right. about. Especially or think if about. you grew up with it, like that's yeah. what. Like if you grow up having to worry about money and don't have to worry about money anymore, that happened to me. It's gone now, but it happened <laughs> to me for a few years there, and it was the awesomest feeling. Yeah. To just pay your bills without yeah. fucking reviewing your account, mm-hmm. like with a fine tooth comb, just knowing it's in there. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a good feeling. No, that is good. And so, you don't have to be exorbitantly wealthy. You just have to reach that. Yeah. that or live, live within your means, you yeah. know I mean? which, which you can't do at a certain level. So I'm not saying that like everyone who has problems with money, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, a, yeah. it's right. like, no, it's, and it's the same thing. I was just thinking of, of touring and, it, and the concept of like getting used to a certain amount of money and then not worrying about it, not thinking about it. It's like, yeah, when you're struggling in a van and you're like sleeping on floors and then you get to like, Oh, we get hotels every night we share right. beds, but we get hotels. And then yeah. you're like, Oh, I get my own bed. We got two rooms. Fuck yeah. But then you're <laughs> in a bus, you know what I mean? And then it's like going back. It's like you, you worry less about those things. You're not nickel and diming it. It's like, it is nice and less stressful. Yeah, when you're not worrying about those things. It's funny now. I feel I feel like there's a contrast between touring and Brad's uh, uh, scale of money because you know, like grinding it out in a really like hardcore van, no trailer, long ass trips, bad weather, bad seasons, bad shows, like that over a period of time can be very bad for your health. Yeah, I actually think I'm going to die younger because of how much I've done it. Um, but then you hit this cool period, right? Like jump up to like, I don't know if the bus is there yet, but you, you get like the trailer, you start getting rooms and like, for me, it was your bed is your own bed. Yeah. Like sharing a room is fine, but having a bed was, you're getting like that experience. But then like, if you get to the point where you're like on a bus, full crew, you're not touching your shit, right? You're in your own hotel room every night. Like all of a sudden, like to me, those two experiences are nothing like each other. Right. And one of them, like that one kind of sucks to me. Like when you're totally isolated, like, Oh, that. it's very lonely. It's yeah. a when weird, you do that, lonely I mean, life. You I'm, can't complain about it in a weird way. You're not allowed to complain I'm, about yeah, it. Yeah. Because no. there are people in those shitty van situations right. and they would like, it's a great privilege tear your head off. to be doing it. Of course. Right. But as a, like a social, annoyingly social person like myself who weirdly doesn't drink. So I'm like, I'm like, Oh cool. You guys are hanging out at the bar. I'm going to go home and be by myself. And then as yeah. soon as I get home, I'm like, does anybody want to hang out? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to like have a day off and like go back to my room or something. It's just like, first thing I do is like, does anybody want to hang out? Yeah. Like let's, let's, I'm out here on tour. I don't want to be by myself. 
Right. Like, well, I want to be with my friends. I'm like, t- lucky enough to tour with like some of my closest yeah. friends. Like, I want to see them all the time. I want to have mean, sleepovers yeah, on days off. That's where like van touring and bus touring are just really like, they're experiences that are just not anything like, like I just got back in a van again for like a week tour, you know, no trailer crashing in people's houses at night, like the whole deal. And like, I, I forgot a little bit, like the fact that the uh, communal part of touring, you know what I mean? That idea mm-hmm. that like, you're getting yourself to a place. You're thinking about where you're going, direction, gas, food, like everything you got to do to get there, money. And then like at night, it's like 2.30 in the morning and you just roll into someone's house who's just being cool. You got to find a nook and sleeping bag. And <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden I'm out on a back porch, you know, getting a little ripped with some dude who's like a, a nuclear chemist. Cool. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. when the fuck am I going to have that conversation sitting in a hotel room, uh, getting drunk, watching pay-per-view, like super depressed. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like you said, not allowed to complain about being depressed because you're in this like ivory tower position. But, you know, yeah, it, it's just a, it's it's just a totally different experience. Well, it's, it's, when it's, you it's have, like contrast. When you, you know? have, you know, when you're essentially it's when you're all you're working together in, in that old the, old, the van days, you mm. know, it's like you have a. You have a goal, and it, and it's not. So you always you all have to dig in together. Yeah, and that's it, true. It, it makes a certain amount of unity. You know? yeah. Camaraderie. Like, yeah. It gets old after a while, but yeah. But at the time, like for a while, it's yeah. That that's I always think of like the best of times, the worst of times. Yeah, Those yeah. van touring days. It's like literally when things are on, when the other band rolls up, and you're like in the parking lot, and you have like three hours to kill because like the promoter didn't show up or whatever, you know. And you're just like you make up a fucking game hitting things with sticks right. or whatever it is. Yeah, it's like, you haven't showered in days. It's like the best thing. It's yeah. a pure visceral experience. And then yeah. two days later, you're, you're, the axle is like on fire and melting, <laughs> and you're just on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. You don't even know which side. Of the state line you're on right yeah and you're just like um i don't know how we're getting back or when or if we should and what i'm doing with my life because i should probably go home and i'd make more money or i'd lose (laughs) less money if i went home right now yeah (laughs) Yeah. so it's like the worst (laughs) yeah anyways but everybody should do it Everyone do it. So if people want to check out Mourners, what's the best way to sort of like keep up on that? And Probably the internet. The internet. Yeah. What the it's, fuck? You, you guys keep talking about this thing. What is that? I don't know. I heard, is it like Bitcoin? Was it something new? Should I invest? The internet? You should, in, you should invest. They have it on computers now. Computers? Yeah, yeah. It's on right, computers. I'm going to read up on this when I get yeah. home yeah, yeah. in a magazine. It's going to be the big the Go to the library. Thing. Yeah. I'm going to check out some microfiche and, and, and get into this. Hey, what's up, Sullivan? What do you got? What's up, man? Oh, he's like, I'm on the spot now. I don't like this. Oh, I can't do it. All right. Thank you to Will Noon for coming by. Um, thank you to <laughs> Brendan and Sullivan at Abar for having us. Hey, looky perked right up. He knows his <laughs> I know. Uh, check out uh, Will's new band, Mourners, uh, with Jared from the honorary title. <laughs> and uh, what else? If you want to support this podcast, Brad, Patreon.com slash going off track. It'd be great. We've got all kinds of incentives. I think we're about to yeah. maybe record a bonus episode that you can only get if you're a patron. Yes. And so. if you we're, we're thinking about adding a section into the tiers where I would record shirtless, pantsless, clothesless in general. <laughs> um, What's the price on that? Well... <laughs> Sounds like a premium. You may already owe some people drum lessons. We yeah, have, that's we've fine. Got some big and, and and we'll go up if uh, if I do them without clothes. I, I think it'll go down. See, because I feel like I would inspire some really great stuff if I interviewed shirtless. Will you accept Bitcoin payments? Because I don't have a great body, you know. So like, people would be like, "Oh, like he does a podcast, but he doesn't look great." So I feel like I can open up around this guy. You know what I mean? Because he obviously, like, he doesn't even have the right to have an ego. So people bring their guard down. You know what I mean? You're not worried they're just going to stare at your nipples. I should show everyone my my stomach before I start any interview, and just just to level the playing just field. To level the playing yeah, that makes sense. You know? I guess. Yeah. You know because. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can also go to goingofftrack.com uh, um, or you can go to venmo.com slash off track. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. 
and or you can just go to iTunes, leave us a nice review, um, tweet at us, uh, say hi to us if you see us walking around. Yeah. Just make us feel good about ourselves. Come to the bar. Come know? to a bar. Yeah, come to yeah. a bar. They do a lot of come to a bar and have a drink and have a kombucha on tap. Yeah, yeah. And tell them that you came because you heard it, heard it here. Yes, Maybe and we'll then tell them fingers. to tell Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a couple steps. Well, good guys. This was uh, succinct. Yes, this is, uh, this is this is good. Yeah, this, this is, is good. good. Sullivan, do you have anything else to add? Uh, he's eating the microphone. <laughs> That's right. He's on some Jello Biafra shit. This Episode 500 will have more valid content. <laughs> right now, he's got nothing. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Will for coming by, and we'll be back next week. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Better late than never, pal. <laughs> We'll just do the bonus episode with Sullivan. Good job, big man. (laughs)